Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Average Joe's Podcast, the official podcast of the NCDA. Current players sit back. The alumni have you covered tonight with your hosts, Alex Bowman. Players' mothers yell at me. Leslie Ellison. Oh, God, what? Jason Holman. Maybe a masochist on this subject. Mike McCarthy. What were we talking about? Ryan Men. Dodgeball should come first. Josh Raymer. Everyone's body is just wrecked. And Kat Takeda. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the NCDA Alumni Podcast, soon to be renamed something much cooler, as long as Leslie does not have any say in that matter. Uh, my name is Josh Raymer, former captain of WKU Dodgeball. Hi there, Alex Bomas, founder of Michigan State Dodgeball. Leslie Ellison, first girl for Kent State Dodgeball. Jason Hallman, Kent State. <laughs> Ryan Lynn, former captain of Kent State. And Mike McCarthy, former Central Michigan player, reborn into Siena Heights Saints dodgeball. And uh, currently rocking a pretty stellar black eye, uh, which Mike kind of takes us into our first topic here. We've got a pretty uh, stellar show lined up for you guys. Uh, kicking it off with the Michigan Dodgeball Cup recap. Uh, that tournament just happened this past weekend. Mike, you were actually on the court for this tournament, weren't you? Yes, it I looks was. like Dominic Carruthers naturally hit a, you know, 20 crit and got Mike in the face. <laughs> uh, Stop. Oh, poor Mike. Stop, Leslie. Yeah, backhand in his face thanks to uh, Carruthers. Gotta love him. He hasn't played, but he still wants to hit me, so. <laughs> I mean, I can't blame him. <laughs> but, uh, all right, well, talk us through uh, kind of what you saw um, at the tournament this weekend, Mike. You know, I saw some great play out of the Michigan teams, as usual. I expect nothing less. Um, I'll start off with Saginaw Valley having won the thing. They looked very, very good. They played very well together. I don't see any standout arms, but they definitely play together. They know how to catch, uh, and they throw together well and accurate, which was, you know, it's a huge thing. Um, Grand Valley, same thing. They were kind of dead. We had them last, so uh, they always play well together. They do have some standout arms, obviously, uh, going back to the olden days still. Um, Central Michigan and Michigan State, I think, are pretty even right now. Is uh, is Central Michigan still playing uh, with a limited roster? They bring a full 15. No, they brought a full 15. They had a couple uh, extras, too. I think they had 17 or 18 or something like that. That's great news. So, yeah, very good. Uh, they did a great job recruiting. I got a bunch of strong guys. Um, you know, just little stuff they got to fine-tune. Uh, they catch very well, as usual. Though. Nothing that is anything new to Central Michigan. They were always a very good catching team, especially when they won the national championship. Michigan State looked very, uh, very good as well. Uh, it was tough that having their captain go down a couple games before that or the game before that, whatever it was. Uh, Mike Van Ehrman, you know, had a knee problem, so he was out shortly uh, before our game started. But, like I said, Central Michigan, Michigan State, kind of neck and neck. Saginaw Valley and Grand Valley, I, I, yes, at this tournament, I would say that Saginaw Valley obviously um, had the upper hand having won it. But 
they're neck and neck too. So uh, very, very well run tournament. Mike did a great job uh, again, and uh, very impressed with all the teams. Well, let's talk a little about your team, Mike. How'd you guys play? We're bad. <laughs> 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 Diplomacy, Mike. Diplomacy. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta pump them up here. Oh, see, they, pump they... up the jam. Pump it up. Oh, sorry, nineties moment. Leslie, you've not been <laughs> let out of the corner yet. Please do not. Speak. <laughs> Uh, it's it's tough when you want to talk about your own team because you don't want to criticize too much, but you definitely want them to know what they need to change. Um, one thing I want to bring up for the former uh, MSU invite when we beat Kent State, they obviously were Kent State was shorthanded, we were shorthanded, but we blocked very well. That's what we did not do this weekend. We at times, at times, very seldom. Did we block very well? During those times, we hung in with teams. You know, we took uh, Saginaw Valley. They took us ten minutes to get a point on us at one point, um, just because we blocked so well. And then catching is getting there slowly. You know, this is the first time we had done anything this semester. I haven't had it. I haven't been able to get court space for practice. So you know, going in blind basically to this tournament was tough, but. I think we did very well. We got some arms. We got people that can catch. We know how to block. It's just doing it all at the same time and putting it together. And once we do that, I have no problem seeing us take down some teams that think they're going to run over us. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but that kind of sounds like you guys might need, I don't know, a leadership change? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Breaking my heart. At least I'm not breaking your eye socket. (laughs) God, man, you're just rolling with them now. <laughs> um, you expected nothing less. I, no, never. I never do. Always. Hey, I got a new nickname. I'm Mick Strawberry now, apparently. Wes will love hearing that. So. Can you explain the nickname? Yeah, you'll have to elaborate that one. Um, Being drunk, is I. that was their excuse, I guess. I have no idea. They just... I was Mick, it was McMellon, McLemon, and then Mick Strawberry, and Mick Strawberry stock, so... All right, well... Maybe a name for the podcast, the McStrawberries. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Bomas, I think you were actually at this tournament as well. Would you like to elaborate on how terrible Mike's team is? <laughs> no, because I didn't see him. Okay. <laughs> they were uh, so no. bad you couldn't yeah. even see them. The, the, the most seniority out of the entire tournament is from Siena Heights, and we didn't get put on the main floor at all. I was upstairs all day long. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Upstairs sucks. I'm sorry. aware. We're sorry about that, Mike. That's yeah. One awkward segue later. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for that one, Mike. Yeah, there aren't any sour grapes over there. Jeez, let's hear uh, grapes, strawberry, and we're, we're trying to hit all the fruit references. Good job, the grape. And now I'm really hungry. Oh. All right. Anyway, yeah, I uh, I attended the uh, Michigan Dodgeball Cup this past uh, weekend, and it was nice to see the parity between the various teams. Um, mind you, I haven't seen Siena Heights, so I don't know whether this applies to them or not. But between Central Michigan, Michigan State, Saginaw Valley, and Grand Valley, uh, it seemed that every point, or just about every point, was getting to 7-on-7 or 8-on-8. And it was at that point that either some critical mistake got made one way or the other, and it just snowballed from there. So what looked like a very even match up to that point after the first four, five, six minutes turned into an 11-on-3 by the end of it. So while the wrap-up of each of those individual points uh, looked kind of lopsided, uh, it was a pretty fairly even battle 
for each of the teams uh, pretty much the entire weekend or the entire day, which was pretty nice to see. Uh, as far as uh, any particular um, praise or criticism for each team, I really need to uh, to, to commend Saginaw Valley on their uh, performance. Obviously, they went 4-0. They won. There's certainly that. But it's the way that they won. Um, the style of play that you've typically seen from them in years past uh, – Excessive reliance on stall ball uh, of only throwing one or two uh, to avoid the shot clock violation, only doing what you absolutely have to. That didn't seem present uh, in uh, this past Saturday's matchups. Uh, they, it was just very competent play all around. Uh, throws that were at torso level, they got caught. Blocks were uh, efficient and competent in all respects, and they really didn't do anything in the way of um, – elementary mistakes the only thing i might criticize them on uh, was a point in the second half against grand valley state where uh, grand valley just turned it on to uh, a second level for lack of a better term and eliminated all 15 players in i think four minutes and 40 seconds well well keep in mind that they were excuse me keep in mind that they were grand valley was two points down at that point so they needed to do something and uh, for whatever reason uh, saginaw valley got a little frustrated or uh, well, they just didn't uh, seem to have a, a real game plan at that point, and the hits just kept on coming. And in any event, obviously, you know, Saginaw was able to rebound and go away with the trophy. So, I mean, certainly good for them. And there weren't any uh, extracurriculars, for lack of a better term. So, out of the four teams, or five teams now ah, from the state account. of Michigan. Well, again, I didn't see them uh, at all this uh, this past weekend. But out of the five teams from Michigan, I would say that Saginaw Valley, uh, both from a fundamental standpoint and performance standpoint, looks to be the strongest out of the five and is certainly uh, in the driver's seat as far as winning the national tournament in April. This isn't to say that they're head and shoulders above the rest of the field, but out of the entire group, I'd say that they probably have – the best chance of winning this. Now, as far as uh, Grand Valley State goes from out in Allendale, uh, they aren't necessarily the team that you'd expect to see uh, year in, year out. What I mean by that is that historically, Grand Valley State has had an ability to swarm their opponents on counterattacks and throw, you know, 70 mile an hour throws all game long. And while I only got to see them after having already played, I think, with Central Michigan and Siena Heights, those throws didn't look all that intimidating. Now, I know from talking with Grand Valley players that the emphasis has not been on recruiting uh, or, or emphasizing power throws uh, as it was in years past. Uh, in teams where they very pointedly tried to make an effort of intimidating their opposition by just getting the fastest throwers possible and launching those 70, 75 mile hour throws to the point where some people didn't want to play them anymore. So they're vulnerable this year as compared to years past. This is not to say that they are doing poorly. They're certainly doing uh, very well for themselves and are certainly in that top tier of teams uh, to make it uh, late into the day on Sunday at the national tournament. Just that uh, a team that, uh, can catch them unawares, or more importantly, can catch in general, I think is going to have a better day against this Grand Valley squad than against squads in years past. So teams like uh, Ohio State, uh, maybe Kentucky, uh, are going to possibly have a better day from them than they might normally otherwise. 
Uh, moving on to Michigan State, uh, to see one MSU team or any MSU team from years past is to have seen this one. Uh, they have the parts. They certainly have the people who can catch, the people who can throw, people who can block. But for whatever reason, it always seems that the Spartans find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And anytime it gets close to whittling down uh, Grand Valley State, for example, who they lost to only 3-2, to two, which is a fairly impressive outcome. Uh, they always seem to get the wrong thing happening at the wrong time. Like, say, against Saginaw Valley, two players threw uh, essentially in isolation against a couple of unarmed Saginaw Valley players. They were 30-foot throws, and both of those throws got caught in a gap of about half of a second. So what was a 7-on-7 turned into a 9-on-5 in the blink of an eye. Stuff like that just seems to happen to Michigan State. They're snake bit for whatever reason. Uh, They certainly have the tools, and their younger guys – are coming in more and more talented each year. Uh, one player uh, in particular, I think it was number 21 uh, from Michigan State, comes to mind. Uh, he had no uh, hesitation when it came to taking a shot, even if it meant that he might get hit as well. His catching ability is solid, and he's certainly going to be a player to look out for in future years. Uh, there are a couple other players whose numbers I won't point out because I'm about to criticize them a bit, uh, are incredibly good at getting that initial ball uh, off the opening rush, have they would have a very easy shot to make from about 10, maybe 12 feet out, and for whatever reason they would hesitate, whether it's fear of getting hit by someone else or questioning whether they can actually make that shot or whether it was some sort of broader plan, I don't know. But you need to have that instinct where if you see an open shot where a player is exposing their back to you and they're that close you got to throw, and it's not a matter of throwing as hard as you possibly can in a situation like that. Just get 75%, 80% and make sure it hits, and you're guaranteed to take someone down. And that's a shot you need to make every time. And for whatever reason, a couple players on state squad look a bit timid. Uh, Central Michigan kind of looked like a more timid version of Michigan State in that I think they had some younger players who weren't quite sure what they would need to do or in a given situation or they just uh, were focusing more on staying in the game rather than uh, focusing on eliminating their opposition. I am sure Wes Peters is going to do a more than adequate job in tuning that up in the month or two to come before everyone heads down to Columbus for the national tournament. Uh, Aside from that, though, uh, this is not to say that the teams were uh, lacking in any particular skill set. They all have their things to tune up, but... By and large, I think they're all going to uh, do a fairly good job of representing the state of Michigan uh, in about, what, eight, nine, ten weeks' time. And uh, it's been a nice little preview of of the future. And that brings up another topic that I kind of wanted to talk about, which is we are uh, less than two months out from Nationals 2014 at Ohio State University. And tournaments like this kind of give you a good indicator of who the favorites might be heading into, you know, the end of the year tournament. So Ryan, let's start with you. How do tournaments like this kind of change the way you look at the nationals landscape? Does it change who the favorites are in your opinion at all? Well, obviously we all know that the MDC is a real deterrent of the winner of the proposed favorite going into nationals. And I think everyone before the MDC really thought Grand Valley with them not losing a game so far this season. And then them getting upset by, I would call it an upset by Saginaw. Um, it definitely looks 
that Grand Valley is vulnerable. And I would say that seeding now is going to play a big role for these top-tier teams. Who's going to put on the same side of the bracket with each other? Yeah, I mean, that plays a big role. I think uh, I remember um, we had the two Michigan teams when the tournament was at Sag Valley, right, on the same side of the brackets. That was a big part of the reason UK ended up in the championship game. So seeding is, of course, important. Um, Mike, what about you? Does this tournament change in your mind who the favorites are heading into nationals, or is it just going to be until someone you know knocks off reigning champion Grand Valley, that's going to be the favorite? I think uh, it's going to have a lot to do with who gets worn down the fastest. Looking at the tournament, you know, the MDC, and seeing the teams that we played, Saginaw Valley came out firing, right? We played them first. Played Grand Valley last. Obviously, Grand Valley knows they're not winning it anymore. Saginaw Valley was 4-0. But... If you if somebody comes in this tournament and wears down Saginaw Valley, Grand Valley, James Madison, whoever else, and these teams have to play each other going into those final matches, I could totally see anybody being enough for grabs. You know, Saginaw Valley played very well this tournament. I could totally see them knocking off Grand Valley. I could see James Madison doing it if they have a good game. You know, it, it all depends on who's going to be the most fine-tuned and and. Just who wants it the most, honestly. So All right. I, I can see it going anywhere. Bomas, what about you? Because you uh, you got a chance to really watch um, four out of the five teams at the NDC. Well, it's always nice to take a look at a number of high-level teams uh, go at it against each other and really take a, a quick look at what their strengths and weaknesses are. And, and one prevailing uh, weakness that I've seen across the board is what to do in those shot clock situations where you've got someone down to five players. Now, there's there are two schools of thought. Either have everyone move all the way back to their baseline, forcing individual players on the, uh, the opposite, the shorthanded team, to run the length of a court, throw, and then run the length of the court back on the counterattack, or stand everyone up as far in the neutral zone as they can go, forcing the other team to throw a catchable ball. The reason being, if it comes up short, by rule, it is not in the legitimate attempt zone, and it will not reset the shot clock. So if they only throw one ball, and it ends up landing short of the line, uh, it's going to be a shot clock violation, in which case you have you know six or more players versus you know four or five of them, and you have all ten balls, which makes for pretty much a guarantee that you're going to hit somebody uh, on the next volley. Now, as far as how things look in April, uh, I would say that pretty much everyone is vulnerable right now. And it's a wonderful thing to see from the uh, point of view of a spectator in that you there's no clear-cut favorite. I mean, Saginaw Valley certainly looked the best out of the teams that I saw this past weekend, but it's not by much. And it's not to say that they are head and shoulders above the competition. On a good day, Saginaw Valley is going to beat most of those teams uh, a fair chunk of the time. On a bad day, they're they they're vulnerable. They could get upset. I mean, Grand Valley scored a point on them in under five minutes. I don't care if they were up two at that point. If you can lose, get 15 people hit or caught 
or otherwise forced out of the game in that short amount of time, you've got some work to do. Now, as far as everyone else goes, again, they're not looking head and shoulders above everybody else. So I think Saginaw Valley certainly in the running, as is Grand Valley, as is uh, a team that is focused on more power throws, such as James Madison University or uh, the University of Kentucky when they have a, a, a fresh and healthy uh, Wes Hopkins uh, that they can basically protect and let him uh, go to work. But there's no one that I have seen or heard about that seems so dominant that everyone's looking at them as a clear favorite at this point. This tournament, as opposed to tournaments in years past, is very much open for discussion. You can make a case for, I would say, over 50% of the teams to at least get into the final match, if not win it outright. So that's going to be uh, a lot of fun to watch this year. And um, it's just going to be a great experience for everyone, I think. Yeah, it really does seem like this year it's up for grabs. I haven't gotten a chance to watch um, any games this year, unfortunately. But from what I've heard, it sounds like um, UK is in a pretty similar situation to what they had last year. Um, according to Felix, they did not lose anyone from last year's team, which bodes well for their chances of success. But at the same time, uh, they haven't played as many games this year. Uh, Zach Brown, their captain, has kind of taken a back seat this year. Uh, I think he's in law school now. So Correct. they have a different captain. Um, so we'll see. I think the jury's kind of out on them right now. I know from just what I heard some of the WKU players say, it seems like they maybe have gotten a little too big for their britches uh, this year. Um, I heard the word entitled being thrown around a lot, talking about UK. So attitude could factor into, um, you know, what kind of success they get, they see at the tournament. Um, now, as far as, as WKU goes, um, they have the problem this year that I think Central Michigan had at the Nationals last year, which was yep. they have about, I think they said 11 to 12 really solid players. And yeah. once you get past that 11 or 12, it <laughs> just drops off a cliff. I think some of you guys have actually seen them play this year, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, they came up to Kent a few weeks ago. Um, they did not fill a full 15, and I believe they didn't fill a full 15 to UK the weekend before either. That's correct. Correct. Um, so I don't know how much they're going to struggle with that going into nationals. But for what they did bring, like they, there was a couple points against OSU in which they were able to bring them down and make it an almost fair fight, and then it just started to pitter out a little bit. And there was also just a couple moments against Kent to where it was, like, right there. And if they would have had, a, like, hopefully that full 15, they would have been able to do just a little bit more because, like, the fight is there. I mean, you got Felix running around like the wonderful, sexy hipster that he is. Amen. Trying to lead his team, and they're doing it. It's just that last little bit, they just don't have that last little oomph at the end of a point or in the second half of a game, which is, to me, what helps determine it. Like, first... Yeah. First half of the game could be anyone's game. It's the second half that really counts because you now have 30 minutes of solid play on top of another 20 to 30 minutes to where, for me, it's the last 10 minutes that counts if it's a potentially close match. Because if it's like, you know, 
like let's let's throw out a, a for instance like if it was JMU versus Penn State, kind of older team versus a brand spanking new team, then okay yeah you understand how that's going to end up. You know that one team that that, that the younger team's going to get blown out of the water. But when it's a bunch of teams that have kind of been around for a while and they got a couple people that know how to play, and then they got a couple young fresh faces, it could be one way or the other. It just it comes down to the last bit of oomph that they're able to get. Did I ramble like a freaking lunatic? Mm-hmm. But it makes sense to some extent in that when you have players who are trying to catch up from playing behind, you're, you're going to see in some teams some complacency, some walking around in the second half when they're down a point when the fact is they need to be moving. And, and frankly, they should be moving all game long. And I mean really jogging, running up and down the court. Now that takes effort, and a lot of players, they don't want to expend that effort. Fine, that, that's an individual decision. But when you're losing, you shouldn't be walking around waiting for the shot clock. You should be throwing pretty much anything and everything that you have at the opposition because if you're going to play slow – and my team has a lead, my team's going to be more than happy to oblige you and let you throw your one ball every 15 seconds or so. And let's be honest, if the officials are, are like the typical officiating staff, that shot clock's really going to go about 25 seconds. And I'm going to let you basically piddle away your time uh, as much as I can and walk away with the win. You've got to force that opposition to come right back at you. Now, it may result in getting blown out by a couple extra points, but you know, so what at that point? Uh, if you're uh, if you're behind, force action because with more action, there are more opportunities to try and get back in that game. Well, the other problem is is if you have a team that has their entire style has always been to stall ball, ball control. You have to come at it a different way because if they've been practicing stall ball for significantly more years than your team, either A has been around or B has just started to get into that mindset. You're gonna lose. You know, I, I mean, I look at most of the Michigan teams and I see they have significantly. Uh, uh, oh my God, what the hell is that word I'm thinking of? It's right there. Experience. Not experience. Practice. No, the other word. Expertise. Confidence. Yeah, kind, no. Um. Um. <laughs> not crafted either. That's beer. Uh, there's a word. I'm a thinking, legacy about it. Not legacy. God, it did a. Uh, uh, can they, you they define the stuff. word? They do the things and the stuff, and they're really good at it. There's a word for that, Core and I'll figure it out later. What? Core competencies? It's something else. Precision? Like, not practice? Are we still talking about this? <laughs> yes. All right, Jake, turn. <laughs> but they, they've been able to practice it. Hone. That's what it is. Hone. Wow, four letters. <laughs> <laughs> Can I buy a vowel? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Leslie Ellison. <laughs> Can she buy a clue? <laughs> no. But they've been able to hone that talent and that expertise of, of stallballing to a greater level that will take you a couple more years to really get into. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, my God. I'm a fucking idiot. Oh, sorry. In terms of uh, watching WK, in terms of watching WKU play, they used to play more like Kent used to, where it was almost every man for themselves, but they were good playing that style. It feels like they didn't have very many dedicated blockers or very many dedicated, I'm going to step in front and try and catch this ball for the better play. They just kind of left, like, Felix on his own. Like, fuck, dude. Have fun. Well, because Felix is a god, a beautiful, sexy hipster god. <laughs> I hope yep. he hears this. I'm sure he will. Uh, the problem right now, UK is definitely um, 
in the middle of a transition and it's really going to rear its its head next season. They have two different groups on their team right now, kind of the older guys and then the the crop of new guys coming in. And the problem right now is if is there a divide on the team? And from talking to some of the guys, I think there might be a disconnect between that younger and older group and that might be manifesting itself a little bit on the court. So I'm I'm kind of worried about the future of the team and um, you know where they go from here when when people like you know Felix is done at the end of this year uh, at the end of this season. Uh, Big Bird has one year left. Um, a couple of the older guys, uh, veterans are going to be gone as well. So I don't know where this team goes from here, but it, it, this season has not does not bode well for the future. I'm afraid. Um, but Bomas, I think you had something to say. Well, yeah, it kind of segues from what you were talking about uh, as far as uh, how things progress from year to year. And that, to me, is the real question uh, that needs to get answered by the national tournament in April. And that is, how are these younger teams, uh, Penn State, Towson, RIT, to an extent, West Wisconsin, Platteville, how are these teams going to progress from last year to this year? Everyone seemed really receptive and encouraging towards these younger teams. And it will be very interesting to see how these individual organizations have recruited, have practiced, and more importantly, how they have progressed from their first or second or third national tournament to the one this year when they've had an extra 12 months to figure out what they're going to do, how they can do things better, whether they've actually got the bodies to actually put together a solid run in them this uh, the weekend of the national tournament. I'm very curious to see whether these guys are going to be also Rands who, you know, thanks for just showing up, or that they have a chance to actually do some damage. And I suspect the answer is going to be uh, the latter, that you're going to see a couple of surprises. Maybe not all the way to the finals, but no. I, again, I don't think any team can confidently say that they are safe this year from pretty much any other competition having a very good day and upsetting them, which makes me very uh, intrigued to see how things go in Columbus this year. Absolutely. The retention of young teams is something that the league absolutely has to focus on because we've seen so many examples throughout the years of these teams that that played, they looked competent, they, we were excited to have them in the league, and then they just totally dropped off for whatever reason. And a lot of times that's beyond the control of what the NCDA can do for them. They lose their captain, no one else can step in. That's what happened with Louisville, and that's the reason they are now a defunct program is because they never had the leadership step in that could take that program after their first three leaders came through the door. So, um, Leslie, I think you had a really good point uh, that you wanted to bring up concerning Nationals. Go ahead. I mean – this was actually brought up when I was talking to Jude, the former OSU captain, and I cannot remember who the hell else we were talking to. It might have been Josh Savory from Kent. But how, when it comes to nationals and it comes to all the schools that we've been so lucky to have join, but at what point does it become we have too many teams? Because it feels like we will eventually get to a point in which we will have so many colleges, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But – at the size of how big nationals is getting with the teams and having to get the courts and having to get, you know, hotel rooms, accommodations, stuff like that, it might start overstepping itself and beginning to be Mike's got the next word. Pay attention, Jason. Um, but, uh, uh, 
is getting so big that that we might not be able to have nationals be just that one weekend, and it might have to turn into a whole, hey, you have to play X amount of games and kind of get seated in the grand scheme of things, and and then where do we have a cutoff of, okay, if you've made it and won this many games, you get to go, but this other team that's fresh out that hasn't gotten to really play yet or is in such a, a, you know, bum bleep area in Michigan or bum bleep area in the U.S. Um, can't make it to be able to play all these games. Well, you, I'm sorry, but you can't come to nationals. So, I mean, where do we have that cutoff? Are we ever going to have that cutoff? Or is this going to get turned into a bigger thing than what it is to where it's not just a weekend, but maybe like a whole week? And at that point, is it even feasible for college students who are going there to foremost get their education, get, you know, go to play dodgeball? I think it absolutely needs to be bigger than what it is. You know, it needs to be, a, it, once we get that many teams, it needs to be a three, four-day thing. Um, coming from, you know, myself, I, I played club volleyball for Central Michigan. There's 150 teams at Nationals, men's teams. Wow. There's 150 women's teams. There's 300 teams in the same weekend in the same gym. It's insane how big it is. And it starts at 8 a.m., and it goes till 6 o'clock at night, and it's five days long. It's phenomenal. It's it's one of the coolest things I've ever been to. Um, it, it is right along with NCDA Nationals of, you know, just sheer enjoyment. It is amazing. So, you know, I, I would never, ever, ever tell a team that they're not allowed to come to Nationals. We need to make sure that however we're going to do this, that it needs to continue to be – Everyone is invited. Um, you know, there's there's things through the school that you can go through the club, or especially if everybody's a registered student organization, you can ask as a student organization, hey, we're going on a trip. Send these letters out to your professors. Get the time off. Get your homework done ahead of time. Get your test done ahead of time. Whatever you have to do, get it done. Because, you know, it's it's something I would never, ever, ever want anyone to miss. Um, well, I guess I guess my concern from uh, an organizing standpoint and, and having put on three national tournaments of my own is that oftentimes you run into a situation where captains say, absolutely, yes, we're going. And then with 48, 96, or however many hours of lead time, you find out, well, actually half of, of X team's roster decide they can't make it that weekend, so we're dropping out. So I, I, there needs to be some level of consistency for the event planner because while volleyball, for example, has uh, it, it has lower court space requirements and you're able to get people in and out a, a bit faster, I would imagine, in a situation like this, uh, especially with a sport that isn't all that uh, high up on a university's priority list, uh, it, it's a different ball game. You want to be able to make sure that you can – put forth the court space and time that's necessary. And you want to make sure that the teams who are there uh, or the teams who say they're going to show up are, in fact, going to show up. Uh, just thinking off the top of my head, uh, a sort of staggered uh, open entry period comes to mind where you know, you'd invite the national champion and you know, the three major tournaments, Ohio, Michigan, Kentucky, they all get into an enrollment period starting in January. From there, anyone who's played, let's say, 
uh, 15 teams gets open enrollment in February. And then uh, just to keep the, the numbers flowing, the guys in, in late February, any first, second, or third year team gets some priority entry. And then to fill in your last numbers, uh, anyone in the open entry for everybody come March, and it's whoever gets their check in first. And that's typically what separates uh, a committed team from someone who says, oh, yeah, sure, kind of maybe we, we might show up, is to actually put forth the cash to commit to showing up in April. But that's just uh, that's just me thinking off the top of my head. And as I would never want to turn the team away from Nationals, I think how it is run now with just one weekend, the only way you can turn away teams is if we did get big enough to a point where every team, say there's about eight teams in every state that we have a team, and we can clearly make a have each state have their own tournament like the ODC or the NDC and those top two top three teams um, make the national tournament but we're not big enough for that and it would be cool to have a thing like the volleyball mic but like Alex said like dodgeball just ain't up there on the universities yet and I don't think players are I don't think dodgeball players are functionally capable of taking a week off to go play dodgeball somewhere yet. They would fail all their classes. <laughs> um, and some of the alumni might lose their jobs, but that's okay. It's all in the name of dodgeball. I would definitely lose my job. Jason, I think you had a point you wanted to make? Yeah. Um, talking with Jude earlier, uh, he was worried about getting court spaces because OSU was just like, yeah, yeah, you can have the court spaces a year ago. And they're like, but you can only have two of them. And Jude's like, well, we've got, like, 25 teams coming with, like, 15 people each plus plus fans. And OSU just kind of looked at him and went, what? Like, the universities need to be brought up that this sport is big. It's large. It's growing. The team is not just this 5 by 5 dodgeball movie kind of garbage that everyone keeps thinking it is. God, that bleeping movie. And, like, we may have to end up going into where, because we're reaching almost the limit, as you guys have said, where we can't physically fit it all at one location. Like, UK did a great job last year putting us in the two different gyms where we could have enough court space. So we're going to have to probably get it towards where universities are big enough to have that space. Like, in Kent, if we were going to ever try it, we'd have to have, like, the rec center, the pack, and maybe another, like, sub-gym just to have enough court space. It would never happen at Kent. It's too small there. Exactly. It never. So maybe so it's – yeah, so maybe it's one of those things where you have to have venues that can accommodate the large number of teams. Yeah. Or we're going to have to, like, kind of do this weird split thing where, like, by ranking – one weekend you go to, let's say, one school and half the other teams go to the other school. You play your ranking matches, and then after that you'd have just one nationals with only, like, four rounds left. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have and to be, like, different weekends throughout the month, so all of April turns into nationals! Pretty would, much. That would not be a bad thing. Oh, that'd be beautiful. I would have no voice by May. But it would be, like, you'd have a week to play. You'd have like a week off, and then the next weekend would be the actual nationals. So you would have two weeks of recovery time so that you could go almost all the way out. But during the meantime, it's just 
trying to smash 25 games plus into two days is just ridiculous. Yeah, man. Well, the thing is, this is a problem, though, that not because of the venue, but because of the number of teams that I hope that we have to face in the immediate future because that means that the league is growing, that we're adding new teams every year. I mean, it's the it's the definition of a, a good problem to have. But you're right, once we hit that saturation point where most venues in the NCDA cannot accommodate that many teams for nationals, then there will have to be some creative solution to make nationals happen in a way that is not a complete logistical nightmare. Uh, I know Bomas is breaking out in hives just thinking about having 30-plus teams come to a Nationals and try to cram all those games into three days. True. Um, however, there is one thing that I can say. I don't know if we're feasibly big enough to do this yet. Um, back in high school, I used to go to something called the Disney Duels. It's down in Florida. Disney has an entire sports complex. You can literally rent it out, and there's 24 courts. Wow. So I mean, we all get to go to Disney World for Nationals? I second this motion. It's not actually Disney World. It's Harry Potter complex, World, who's with me? But when you can go down there, it would be a little expensive getting down there, but we could have all the courts for two days that we needed. Alumni dinner at Disney World, yes. I was going to say, I'm all about this Disney idea now. Um, <laughs> and that is a creative solution that we could potentially think about, is other venues besides college campuses that we could look at if the if the league ever got to the point where it was that big. Um, and I hope that that's a problem that we have to confront here in the next, you know, three to five years as the league continues to expand. Somewhere um, in Indiana. Somewhere. In, yeah, I mean, that would be nice for kind of the grouping of teams that we have right now, um, you know, except for that poor North Texas or Louisiana that had to come up and drive all that way. But... Um, so Nash, Nationals expansion, um, I think we're going to maybe look at Disney in, in the coming years. So if you're a freshman, look forward to playing your um, your senior national tournament at the uh, at the castle there in the main Disney world. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> there actually is a basketball court in uh, what's the uh, the uh, mountain splash ride. Uh, splash Mountain? Yeah. There actually is a basketball court in there, believe it or not. So maybe we could play it there. Who knows? I don't care. All I want to do is go to Hogwarts. <laughs> That's Universal Studios. Same thing. It's all one thing. Where does this happen? No, they're quite far apart. Shut they're, up. Yeah. Semantics. Leslie. Good Lord. All right. So um, Nationals expansion, this whole idea. Has anyone actually heard from OSU to hear how preparations are going, what signups are looking like? Does anyone have any kind of inside scoop on that? Don't yeah. ask. Just, just don't, don't ask. Yes. I think it was. Fu- I think it was funny uh, how Felix was asking for teams to pay their dues for nationals in like two days, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Day, guys. It, it did seem kind of sad. Yeah. Um. They are working on it. They have courts no, no, no. reserved. Jude's working on it. Jude is working <laughs> on it. I I um, love Carlson so much, but I feel really bad for Jude because he's trying to bust his. Off. Wait, am I allowed to say it? he's busting his off? Okay. I think the term is just busting his, but yes, he is busting it off. They do have the courts for the first day. The second day, they have the courts for the beginning of the day, and then they have to have mandatory open rec time, which we think we're just going to accommodate the courts anyway. 
Hmm, that sounds very interesting. Um, I mean, they're welcome to play basketball. They just have to dodge the dodgeballs, and if they get hit, they're just going to keep getting hit. Hmm, so might be some bumps in the road with this Nationals, it sounds like. Yeah. A little bit. Okay. Because as I said before, OSU didn't quite realize when Jude told them we're having a dodgeball Nationals, they thought it was, oh, five of your buddies, four teams, yeah, 20 people, whatever. No. Not... 15-plus teams with 20 players and fans. Yikes. Just find the guy with control and ask how much money is it going to take. <laughs> and then slide it to him under the table. Uh, so we'll, we'll be there. We will be at Nationals uh, recording uh, some more alumni podcasts, having another alumni dinner, uh, maybe getting into some you know sexually inappropriate situations back at the hotel room. Uh, the numbers just don't add up on that. Yeah. You need Jude's house, right? Yes, that's what I meant, Leslie. Jude's house. Um, whenever you're involved, things just seem to go uh, go bad really quickly. So we'll we'll see how nationals pans out. But we will be there, and are looking forward to um, to however the tournament turns out because it's dodgeball, and dodgeball is always good. And you know, to the younger players, they're always more than welcome to come up and talk to us. I know that there was a couple at nationals last year. It was like, hey, you, I I've heard your voice. I I've heard of you. Um. Hi, I'm so so. The same thing actually happened uh, to some of the uh, WKU kids. Um, came up to me very very timidly, uh, going, "Hey, I was at nationals last year, and you had green hair, and you were kind of cool." Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, "Dude, it's cool." Yes, Raymer, we we have fans. We have some people that get really really shy around us because apparently the term alumni or that shirt that we got from Boomis, you know, it's scary. It, it's scary and it means something. I don't know, but it was. It Which, was by the way, current alumni, uh, we're we're starting our open thread on those. So find the groups on Facebook and uh, place your orders now. But yeah, so you know, to the younger ones, you're more than welcome to what? Oh, okay. Sorry, but no, more than welcome to come up and talk to us. I mean, I know I have a really loud mouth, and I'm more than welcome to talk to new people. Yeah. You might get sexually assaulted, but that's on your own terms, kind of. Leslie, I love how you're the only one to read our group chat and pause and think about it as you're talking, even though it's meant to keep you from doing exactly that. Um, just one of the many quirks that we love about you. This is apparently This is apparently a woman who would get frozen by looking at a teleprompter <laughs> yeah exactly one thing at a time walking or breathing yes we are overwhelming her so let's kind of segue into um uh something that personally i'm very excited about which is the return of ultimate dodgeball into my life and into the lives of the bourbon ballers my wonderful teammates from wku we will actually be back in action this weekend february 23rd at the uh, Louisville Sky, Sky Zone facility for their President's Day tournament, which is really late, but whatever. That's what they're calling it. And the winner of this tournament actually gets free admission into the summer tournament, which will serve as the qualifier for the Las Vegas tournament. So the Bourbon Ballers will ride again. We're very excited. Woo! Um, and, Leslie, I think uh, you brought up today when we were kind of planning for this podcast that um, – a certain someone in this group had a Sky Zone experience with some Ooh. of the Kent State players? I harpied the sh out of him to get him to come visit and begged him and pleaded him for like two to three months and even gave him sh for missing the first time we tried to do this because, oh my god, MSU's playing football against OSU, oh my god, blah, blah, blah. yeah, f- 
football. Dodgeball is where it's at. Boomis got to spend the weekend with uh, Jason and I. It was wonderful. I only sexually harassed him twice. 30 yeah. times. Twice in like five minutes. Boomis, can you you know collaborate on this experience that you had a little bit here? Yes, MSU was in the championship Big Ten football game, and I wanted to see my team go to a Rose Bowl. That's all I'm expounding on. <laughs> so how many times were you sexually assaulted by Leslie? There's a non-disclosure agreement in place that prohibits me from answering that. <laughs> I good... witnessed four. Yeah, I was going to say, it had to be. I'm putting the over-under at like 10. Under. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if anyone has not checked out a Sky Zone facility, I know we talked about it last time uh, after the summer tournament that we had, but go check it out. It was surprisingly fun for someone who viewed any form of dodgeball outside of the college game with a lot of skepticism. Ultimate Dodgeball is a ton of fun. The tournaments that they put on, at least the one in Louisville, was very well done. And from what I understand, I don't know if this is public knowledge yet, but they are actually going to be adding a regional layer to this year's tournament. So instead of the going based on statistics, then you have the Facebook vote to see who goes to Las Vegas. If you are one of the eight teams, I'm assuming it's still eight, that wins a regional tournament, you are automatically qualified for Vegas. So that whole experience now will be hopefully a lot smoother and uh, a lot more fair than it was last year. So NCDA players, go play Ultimate Dodgeball. We need more representation from the college ranks at these tournaments. So I think uh, we're about ready to wrap it up, guys. Is there anything else that is on your mind that you wanted to talk about here? It's been a while since we've gotten together, but, um, you know, Nationals is less than two months away, so I felt like it was time to kind of convene the brain trust here. What's your mom cook for dinner tonight? Sounds <laughs> like uh, pork tenderloin, which I'm very excited mm. about. Yeah, it's, it's always pretty solid, solid choice. How, how long does it take a lawyer, a computer scientist, and an actual scientist to reconstruct a head that the lawyer broke in a museum? Um, is this a joke? Scientists will never get it done, FYI. <laughs> Bomish, what'd you do? <laughs> Nothing I can say on air. <laughs> Did you break stuff in the museum, Bomus? Maybe. All right. Hey, uh, hey, Mike, have you guys got any more games lined up this semester? Uh, nothing as of yet. I'm trying to get a couple teams to come to Siena and play here. Uh, you know, trying to get Siena Heights University uh, and their students exposed to NCDA dodgeball and grow it a little more here. Um, but nothing as of yet. We'll see, though. Well, we uh, hope you guys get to schedule some more games and get a little more exposure. Um, as we go to our final uh, segment here, I want everyone's Nationals pick, because I don't know if we'll get to do another one of these before Nationals. So based on the games that we have seen thus far, and there have been quite a few of them, guys, who is your pick? To win nationals, you can give me a championship game matchup if you want. If not, just who you think will win. Uh, I'll start us off. And until I see uh, someone knock them off in a big game, not to say that the in MDC was not a big stage, um, but to see them knocked off at a national tournament, I've got to go with Grand Valley. Who wants to take it next? Oh, mess. Well, um... Just going off of what I've seen this past weekend, which are the only games that I've seen so far this year, uh, I would have to go with a 
Saginaw Valley versus James Madison final with Saginaw Valley just outlasting him. And that that's an entire complete guess, but uh, I I gotta go with who would win in a head-to-head matchup against Saginaw and Grand Valley, and frankly, Saginaw proved it. So mm. uh, there's there's my choice right there. Old choice, Ryan. Go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna be a homer. Uh, this is gonna Kent uh, has a lot of this is a year for Kent. They, after this year, they're going to be losing a lot of players. I think they're going to try to make a real hard push, maybe do it like an MSU next year. Uh, I'm going to go with Kent. All right, so Kent, Mike, why don't you uh, take it? And if you say Sienna, I'm cutting you off right now. <laughs> Come on. I think Kent this year. You're, what? You're picking Kent this year. No, I'm saying I, I'm saying I beat Kent this year. Oh, yeah. you, you did Sienna's beat Kent this year. Kent. That kind of pokes holes in your in your pick, Ryan, a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> so, so Mike, who's your pick? Uh, as much as I would love to pick Siena Heights University, i got to give it three years and then it'll win. But I'll go with Grand Valley as well. All right. Leslie, what about you and Jason? Uh, well, can I just say I got the most wonderful Snapchat from both McCarthy and McJesse. I freaking God. love that hunk of man meat. Um. Honestly, wow. I don't know. <laughs> from, shut up. Uh, from, you know, hearing what happened at the Michigan Cup and then seeing what happened at um, the ODC, I really, I want to hope that it's Kent, but I, honest to God, what you were talking about earlier about how it could be anyone's game, I'm going to be indecisive until I can actually see the final seeds and then see who actually makes it into the final four. So I am undecided until now. But go Kent. All right, great, uh, great pick, Leslie. Thanks for that gripping insight there. If you don't freaking know, uh, <laughs> Jace, what about you? Um, I know they don't particularly care for me, but I'm actually probably gonna have to say Saginaw Valley this year. Wow, you really are going out on a limb there. <laughs> they seem like they have probably the best team. The only other team that I think. Honestly, it's close enough to them is GV, and GV did lose a few players and quite a bit of zip on their balls. Zach Phillips, I love you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be surprised if GV does take it, but... Scott LaValle, I love you, too. I'll at least give Saginaw a shout-out for that. It does seem to come down to just those teams that have the experience in the big games um, when it gets on the national stage. Because like you said, Balmas, there are those moments in games that kind of swing games in these pivotal moments. So it'll be interesting to see if we do get a Grand Valley-Sag Valley game before the championship, which of those two teams is able to put it all together for 50 minutes and and go to the championship. But uh, I think that will do it for us, guys. Um, Signing off for the soon-to-be-renamed NCDA Alumni Podcast, this is Josh Raymer. Alex Bomas. Leslie Ellison. Jason Hallman. Superfly Rye. <laughs> Mike McCarthy. We will see you guys later.